This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. Good morning, good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside, if you like rain. But that's okay, folks, because me and Java Chapman, my awesome producer, and all the other folks at MPB, we're opening up a screen door, sitting on the porch because it's raining out there. We're going to talk about gardening for the next hour. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing. This is the Gestalt Gardener. It's a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We got a fun program lined up. Got a answer to a question nobody really ever asked and just some oddball things to talk heirloom plants but whatever's on your guardian mind because it's a live program here on, on mpb on this rainy april morning rainy april morning but good friday good friday this is the time to plant stuff but <laughs> it ain't the <laughs> the the weather guy says nope we're gonna wait a little while how are you sir java Man, I'm doing fine, Felder. How are you this this rainy uh, April morning? <laughs> I'm actually feeling pretty good because I got out and planted a bunch of stuff yesterday and uh, watered in just a little bit. Now it's getting all settled in. And it's nice and cool and plants aren't going to wilt. It's going to be just right. Everything is good if you plan ahead. That's true. That is true. So uh, anyway, it, it, and, and we're wide open today. There's so many things to talk about. There's still a lot of questions about winter damage. There's a really unusual little creature that's showing up in people's gardens, and I've seen it for years, but just every now and then, but it's all over this year. Uh, we're going to be talking about that. i got some heirloom flowers I picked out of the yard, and, and we got a big event coming up next week. We're going to interview folks in a little while, uh, and I've tentatively said, we're Java, you and I are taking the green to the blues. Yeah, the Juke Joint Festival next week, uh, we're going to be down at the Collective Seed. That's right. It's a garden center right downtown, old-fashioned garden center right downtown Clarksdale at the end, uh, other end of the street from the Blues Museum. There we go. Yeah, right. Uh, so we're on, this, we're on, the, we're on the, the, either the high end of the main road or the low end of the main road, but we're <laughs> on the main road. Anyway, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. If Folks, if you want to talk about what's going on in your garden, I know you've got some questions. There's some challenges. There's a lot of misinformation out there, especially on the web, a lot of myths that everybody believes that, you know, I don't have an, an agenda. Let's just talk about it. Uh, we're going to start out this morning in Neshoba County. Hey, Bill, thank you for calling, man. What's up? Uh, hey, how you doing? Mm-hmm. What's Hi. up? Hi. Uh, well, I have a report. A couple of years ago, I called and asked if uh, you thought that uh, laying down some of my uh, blueberry uh, branches to see if they would root, uh, you gave me instructions, and you asked for a report back. Okay, so had to do I'm reporting back. Well, uh, I, I did four uh, branches. And I realize it's a small N, but uh, I did four. And those two that were less uh, round than a pencil rooted, and anything that, and those that were larger than a pencil uh, did not. Yeah. So, so that's my uh, you know advice. Is, uh, yeah, little little ones root better. Yeah, you know, and and, and it's uh, it has to do. It's really weird, but you know. 
plants, you know, the, the, the cells that make up the stem, that green tissue around right the bark, they're, they're stem cells. They are stem cells. And it takes a while for them to shift gears and change into being root cells. It's called cellular redifferentiation. And it's easier on, just like you can't teach an, all, an old dog new tricks, uh, young stems can figure it out a lot quicker. But anyway, that's, that's, a, that's a good tip. But, but you did get some. It did work. Yeah, right. I transplanted them, and they're growing like crazy. Excellente, excellente. Well, I, we appreciate you sharing that, so thank you, man. I have a question. Yeah. Uh, I, I planted some comfrey, and I planted uh, 10 of them in, in a row, and most of them came up uh, like gangbusters, but I got a couple that are just kind of look like they're squeaking by. And I'm wondering, should I just wait some more? Or should I fertilize them? Or you know, anything I, I can do? Okay, for all, you know, I, comfrey is all over the place in cooler climates like England. It's all over the place. You don't see much of it down here. And I suspect because uh, it doesn't really like all of our rainfall, our humidity, and things like that. So the main thing is try not to keep it too wet. You know, because they they, they just don't they, they don't like heavy downpours like we've got. Um, so uh, that's all really I can I'm, I would be guessing otherwise, and I hate to guess. But the main thing is, you know, when you water it, just don't keep it saturated. Don't let it stay bone dry. A little bit of fertilizer wouldn't hurt, uh, but let's get it to perk up first, and then use something about half strength. We want to tease plants with fertilizer. Uh, if you give them too much, it forces them to grow, whether or not they can handle that growth or not. So a little half strength fertilizer. Make sure you don't keep them too wet. Let's see what happens. Okay, great. All right, man. Appreciate it, Bill. Thank you for calling. Oh, me. Java, it's been a wild week, man. I went over to to, uh, Alabama. I talked to the Alabama uh, State Master Gardener Conference in Tuscaloosa, and it was a bunch of wild people, a bunch of weirdos. Don't get me wrong. They're good weirdos, but they're still weirdos. And uh, we had a blast talking about, you know, just stuff that that we teach each other that's not right. Did you go to the uh, to the plant swap last? Oh yeah, 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 down in Mobile. Yeah. Woo, was it ever something? I mean, it wasn't the biggest because you know the crowd was weird. Uh, I mean, I shouldn't say the crowd. The the weather was weird this year. A lot of people had damage to their plants, but the folks who showed up were real enthusiastic. You know, and I even got some some plant. They've got a little community garden there right beside the uh, Central Presbyterian Church, and the guy who ran it gifted me a nice big clump of a yellow flowering hardy chrysanthemum. You know. We got this old pink one everybody grows called Clara Curtis, and I got me a big old yellow one, too, so that's going to be fun. Anyway, good folks, good, good folks, and the weather was nice and had some good barbecue on the way home, you know. Which, which uh, you know, I, I, y'all went to, you know, you and Crystal went to New Orleans. I'm sure y'all didn't eat barbecue when you in New Orleans. No, we didn't have any barbecue, but we did go to our favorite beignet place. Uh, I want to say uh, hello to uh, Legacy Kitchen and uh, Craft Tavern. They that has like really become that's your place, our, our place. That's, that's, that's become your, our place. <laughs> uh, you know, it's great when you when you have a local in New Orleans. Yes, and and Crystal has been traveling a lot over the, the last year and this year, and they almost kind of know her by name. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, didn't I just see you? Did yeah. you say you stay out of town? Like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, uh, you know, we, we, we've got the lines wide open, folks. Anybody who wants to call in and just talk about gardening, uh, I'll be glad to. Uh, I do have something that I want to share. Matter of fact, this might be a good time to do it about the question nobody – I don't know when you want to do this. <laughs> we, I mean, we, we can do it now because we do have our, um, our, our guests I'm about to hook up on the phone. So now it's time for <laughs> questions – no, answers <laughs> to questions no one has asked. You know, this is the kind of thing where every time – every email I get, Every every Facebook post, they always say, I'm so-and-so, I live in Zone 8 or Zone 8A or Zone 9B or Zone 7A. You know, they always say, I'm so-and-so, and I'm from Zone whatever. And it's kind of, you know, I understand it. People need to have something that, that grounds them. You know, here's where I'm from. This will give you some idea about my gardening conditions. The problem is zone means nothing. <laughs> it means nothing. Well, it, it, it indicates whether or not it's going to freeze. You know, zone, USDA plant zone is based on average low cold temperature only the average low cold temperature gets down to 15 you're going to be in zone eight you're going to get down to nine you know you're going to be in zone seven you know but anyway the main thing is zone is based on average low winter temperature what it doesn't deal with is how soon it comes what the latest frost is how long it stays there whether or not it comes after three weeks of 70 degrees it doesn't deal with heavy rainfalls it doesn't deal with a hot summer it doesn't deal with humidity all night in the summertime all these different things affect plant growth and we always say well we're in a place that freezes once in the winter so the reason I mention that because a lot of people don't realize in England we can grow lilacs and big peonies and and uh, foxgloves and and all these kind of plants that won't grow in Mississippi. But get this, England is the same zone as Mississippi based on average low temperature, even though they're on the same latitude in Nova Scotia. But Seattle and Mississippi have got the same zones, totally different climate, totally different plants. So I'm just saying, you know, you say I'm so-and-so, I'm from zone whatever, you know, you could be from Seattle or England, Mississippi, doesn't tell you anything about whether that plant's going to make it through a, a hot, humid August night. So there you go. Zone is great, but basically say I'm from so-and-so, it freezes in my garden in the winter. That's all you got to say. Anyway, questions, answers to questions nobody asked. Now, Feld, I will say that was a good one. That was a good Thank one because you. I know people can maybe get hung up on those um, zone this and zone that, but yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. Hi, hi. I'm I'm Felder. I'm five foot eight. Well, you don't look five foot foot eight. Well, I was when I had my 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 driver's license. <laughs> five foot eight doesn't say anything about me, but it's one of those facts. Anyway, forget the zone. You know, let's look at where you garden and look at local resources. You know, when a big book says this plant is hardy to zone eight, doesn't mean Mississippi zone eight. Anyway, enough of that. Hey, let's slide over to uh, to Jackson and talk with Becky. Becky, thank you for calling. I just had a comment. I'm Becky. I'm five foot two. But uh, <laughs> I, wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to comment on the garbage crisis that we have right now. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Keep it gardening, though. No, it is gardening. Okay, okay. Um, okay. Um, what I wanted to say was now is a great time for people to go through their, to, instead of putting their banana peels and their coffee grinds in a garbage bag, to start a compost. And uh, what, what I did is I'm separating my garbage, so I literally don't have any garbage, and I'm burning the, the rest of it. So 
um, we can help ourselves instead of seeing all these garbage bags out by the side of the road that aren't going to get picked up. Let's uh, use our heads and get, uh, I had a plastic uh, water jug that I cut in half, and I've been keeping my uh, my food waste, you know, that I can compost uh-huh. uh, in that. So I just wanted to make that comment. It's kind that's of a, help ourselves. That's a great one. That is a really good As a matter of fact, the other day I planted some stuff, uh, working with some master gardeners, planted some stuff at the Agriculture Museum, and I took a whole trash can full of compost that I dug from a pile of stuff on my driveway up at the top. And that's where I throw, you know, I blow my leaves there, but I throw my banana peels, eggshells, you know, the, the core out of a pepper. I throw everything on there and don't turn it or do it or anything. Keeps it out of the waste stream, but I made beautiful compost by just chunking it in a pile. That's a great idea. And I was just thinking, instead of having all this stinky garbage when it does get picked up, yeah. you'll have clean garbage, you know, what you have left is uh, not stinky and it's not decomposed. There you go. So, there you go. Um, that's, anyway, a re- I just to- that's a really good tip. By the way, there there is another solution to the stuff that won't compost. What you do is you wrap it up in an Amazon box and tape it up really good and put it on your porch. Somebody will haul it off. <laughs> Sorry about that, Java. Couldn't couldn't resist going there, man. But I like that from Becky. It's like forced composting with Forward, our yeah, uh, yeah. situation here in Jackson. But forced composting, I like yep, that. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of places that don't pick stuff like that up unless it's hardcore, you know, unrecyclable stuff. A lot of places they don't pick up bags of leaves and grass clippings. They they just don't do it. And where that happens, people have a leaf pile in the yard. A leaf pile is considered normal. It's just a normal. That's what you do. And a little bit of background here. Uh, Two thousand and four, twenty years ago, r- really, uh, a bunch of folks got together downtown Clarksdale decided they're going to have a juke joint festival. A juke Java. You know what a juke joint is. I am well aware. You know, and it's sort of like a honky-tonk. You know what I'm saying? It's just a place where folks go to get away from life, have a drink, listen to some music, you know, uh, camaraderie, that kind of thing. Anyway, they got together, and the next year uh, it started spread. The little sleepy town of Clarksdale, they started putting up tents and vendors and people playing on the the, the, the streets and all. Now it's gotten all the way up to where they have, uh, you know, something like, uh, 17 stages, 80 acts. They've got 100 blues acts all over the weekend. And a lot of them just on the street, on the street corners. They're in special venues. Most of it is free. And um, they got, it's just an incredible 26 venues and 40 acts. Downtown Clarksdale. I've been there before with my pickup truck, but I'm returning this year. Their 20th anniversary. And because of that, we thought we would just talk with a real special gal named Ann. Hey, Ann, are you with us? I am. Hey, Felder. I'm here with Nan Hughes. Here. Okay, Ann Williams and Nan Hughes. Uh, y'all are the the co, I want to say owners, the collective seed and seed company. W- what is it? All right. So I was my partner, Chuck Rutledge. We run uh, Collective Seed. Uh, this week marks our fifth anniversary that we've been in, in, in business. We have and and collected- you used to, used to, used to be uh, what, uh, not Nels, Nels. Oh, I'm drawing a total blank. Yeah, Miss Dells. Miss Dells. Old fashioned seed uh, company and feed and plants and stuff right downtown for a long, long time. And y'all took it over. That's right. That's right. We took it over five years ago. We are an artist run business. We've run artist residencies out of our shop and, um, Folks who just love to come to Clarksdale and learn about plants and community and make art and do cool things. And uh, healthy food, hang out, swap stories. It's just a, it's a gathering place, just like all these towns used to have. 
Exactly. It's a special place, and we're really, really happy to keep it going. Well, I've had my pickup truck there before. I backed it up to the outside. you got a big fenced-in area, and it's got all sorts of shrubs and, and perennials and herbs and flowers and vegetables and things like that. And you can have me backing up in there this weekend, uh, next weekend, and broadcasting the Gestalt Gardener and doing a talk from my truck? That's it. That's it. Everybody's so excited. We've got a whole bunch of questions queued up for you. A lot of people wanting to know what can, they can grow in the shade. A lot of typical vegetable questions. A lot of questions about this weather. Is it crazy? Is it normal? Um, so, yeah, we're ready for you. But but you're already handling all that stuff. I'm just there. I'm just sort of the bling, right? Huh? <laughs> well, sometimes, you know, sometimes uh, the, we need our felder to come the, in yeah, and, the, and just, just, <laughs> just yeah. make sure we're doing it. Right. Well, I, uh, and it's not just filler, Java. Java, we're going to be there, you and me, man. We're going to be broadcasting from there. I get, and people ought to, and this is going to be free, right? Absolutely, yep. So if yep. Pe- people need to bring a chair, I'm going to have my truck out there. It's going to be surrounded by all these flowers and, and the, kicking off the Juke Joint Festival, which is a three-day event. But uh, mostly I'm going to back my truck up, and me and Java can sit up and broadcast live from the collective seat. Yeah, I can't wait, Felder. It's going to be fun. So, uh, so Ann, what, what, what's up with the, the the blues festival? I mean, it's twenty. I mean, not blues festival. I keep saying that because it's not blues. It's Duke Joint. It's got all different kinds of music there. Uh, it, it really revitalized downtown Clarksdale. Y'all survived the pandemic with this. We we sure did, and it is. It's a hundred percent blues, Felder, uh, and the whole point of the Duke Joint Festival when they started it 20 years ago, Nan, Roger, and, and Bubba, was to put business into downtown businesses, and they've done a great job of it. So many businesses have, have come to Clarksdale because of the Duke Joint Festival. We've got people here from all over the world, people from all over the all over the United States. Uh, Duke Joint is is the primary reason that Clarksdale is is on fire, and we're so grateful for everyone who makes it happen. You know, Roger Stolle, uh, you know, he's, he's got a little uh, uh, a business there where he sells memorabilia and all like that. He's been a real driving force, too. And, oh, yeah, he's, uh, he, he's, he's great. He sent me a whole bunch of notes on this, but uh, the, the bottom line is it's a, it's a real festival. It's throughout the whole downtown. The whole place is like barbecue and tamales, and it sounds like music. Oh, yeah, we've got it all. Yeah, well, let me uh, ask you builders. this. Yeah. This is Nan. Hey, Nan. Uh, And I'm one of the organizers of the Juke Joint Festival. And it is what we call a half small town fair, half blues festival, but it's all about the Delta. And our mission is to put business into local businesses downtown. And right now, I can track that we have 43 U.S. states coming to our town. uh, Wow. 12 foreign countries and 43 U.S. states. I mean, Mississippi counties. And so I really want to say this. These Mississippi counties need to get up with the program because last year it was 53 of them, and they outbeat our states. I just need seven more states to make all of the United States. I even have Hawaii coming this year. You know, so, uh, you know, everything during the day is free. It's all free during the day. We have over uh, 17 stages downtown. We have monkeys riding, dogs herding sheep, professional pig races. We have arts and crafts vendors, food galore. But at nighttime, you buy a wristband, and you buy that wristband right now until 5 o'clock Wednesday because they're 45 now. Well, And after Wednesday at 5 o'clock, they go up to uh, yeah. 50. Okay. The, the bottom line here, next weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, downtown Clarksdale is where it's going on, right? 
That's right. So kicking off on Thursday, Thursday through Sunday. Okay. Now, this band is just oh, oh, hang, hang, hang on a second. I'm going to be broadcasting. Me and Java are going to be broadcasting live from the collective, which is right at the bottom end of – What's? it's not Main Street. What's the name of that Main Street? Delta Avenue. Delta Avenue. We're going to be at the bottom end of the Delta. No, the the west end of Delta Avenue. The east end is where the Blues Museum is. And me and John, we're going to be broadcasting live at nine o'clock, starting at nine o'clock. So people need to bring a chair. We're going to yak about it, and I'll stay as long afterwards and talk with people. But also, I'm doing a, another talk there at the Collective from my truck. Is it like two or three o'clock in the afternoon? It'll be 2 o'clock, Felder. Okay. So uh, not only broadcast live and stay around as long as folks, but also if you can't make it then, come back by 2 o'clock, and we're going to be sitting over in the back of my truck and hold it. For, I'm even going to bring Grandmother's Concrete Chicken. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're bringing, uh, me and Java, we are bringing the greens to the blues. Bringing the greens to the blues. 145 Delta Avenue. I yeah. just looked it up. 145 Delta Avenue. Um, the Collective Seed also has a, a website, uh, collective-seed.com, if you want to take a look at the place. And uh, they have some lovely wares, Okay, too. lady. We, we appreciate y'all. We're going we to scoot now, but I'll, we will see y'all bright and early Friday morning. All right. See you next week. Thank you. Thank okay, you. thank you. Java, I hope they weren't laughing about Grandy's Chicken. Grand, no, Granny's Gran, Chicken is a... Granny's <laughs> Chicken has been over 3,000 miles in the past week and a half. Been to all sorts of... Con- been on stages all over the South. Granny's Chicken. It's a real special icon that says, we're trying to be real. You know, I've seen eight-foot naked goddess statues at Versailles. None of them are as important as my grandmother's concrete chicken in my little garden. So Amen. Any, anyway, glad to talk with you about what's going on in your garden. And I have seen a lot of weird stuff, including my own garden. Uh, one of the things that, that happened that I immediately recognized and didn't realize so many other people have this also is that some, some shrubs, large shrubs or small trees that have really soft wood. I'm thinking uh, bay laurel, figs, uh, um, sweet olive, plants that are, are Pretty good size, but they don't have real hard wood. If they get weakened by hard freeze or drought or something like that, they're unable to fend off problems. And there's this type of beetle that lays eggs on these kind of things, and the, the larvae bore into the trees, and they push out sawdust in long, thin tubes. It looks like a, a piece of a toothpick sticking out, but it's real soft. It looks like a toothpick sticking in the trunk, and it's, uh, it's the innards of these tr- softwood uh, plants. Uh, if you see that on your plants, and particularly on figs, we've seen a lot on figs. Uh, it, it, it hit our bay laurel tree that was 30-something years old at the Ag Museum. As soon as I saw it, I knew it was going to happen. If you don't do anything, the plant's going to die. It's just going to die. Nothing we can do about it. But if you see it and you cut the plant off down close to the ground below the, the borers, Within just a, a, a week, it'll put out real strong new growth. I cut down this 30-something-year-old bay laurel uh, at the Ag Museum uh, about, oh, th- th- well, a month ago, in the first part of, of March, and it's already got new growth that's six, seven, eight inches long coming up from the ground. So look, check for your, your figs. Look for this toothpick-looking stuff that, that dissolves when you touch it. That's a type of borer. It's really pretty serious. Uh, a lot of people still have things like gardenias and lorepetums, azaleas that look terrible. Mine, too. Mine, too. 
cut them back. Just cut them back. If they weren't damaged, you could still cut them back unless brought out new growth. You know that. So why not go ahead and just use this year as an excuse to cut plants way, way back? That'll get rid of the dead-looking stuff. It'll quickly stimulate some real strong, healthy new growth. And if you come back a month or so from now and lightly tip prune, cut the tips off that new growth, it'll bush out. You'll have the prettiest plants you can imagine before you know it. If you don't, it's just going to irritate you and frustrate you and make you feel bad. So just bite the bullet. Cut these plants way back, foot, foot and a half, two feet tall if you want to. Will not hurt them. Can't actually save them. So... You know, there's sort of a little tip thing right there. Hey, let's let's go down to Mobile and talk to Marie. Marie, I was in Mobile last week and went to the Mobile Botanic Garden. Cool little place down there. What you got going on today? Well, I bought three yellow <clears throat> snapdragons and mm-hmm. put them at once. And after one day, one of them had lost all its little blossoms, and I thought maybe a squirrel had them for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Following day, all three of them looked the same. It's just a stick-up. And it's not uh, the squirrels because the little blossoms are all laying around in the pot. Yeah. Why do they fall? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and th- this happened right after you planted them, within a couple of days, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Here's the deal. First, first of all, a lot of people uh, think of snapdragons. They don't realize snapdragons don't like winter. You didn't pl- you planted them in the spring, but snapdragons grow better over the winter in Mobile along the Gulf Coast than they do over the summer. Up north, they grow over the summer, not over the winter. They like a long, cool growing spell. So this is a good time to set them out. The problem is when you when you get a plant from a garden center. Uh, that's in full bloom, it's been forced to get that way with fertilizer and greenhouse conditions. Everything is just right, uh, and it's sort of at the at its limits. And you take it home, you replant you booger up the roots a little bit, shift in, 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 in humidity, shift in lights, and the stress of being transplanted and watered. The first thing they're going to do when they're under stress is to throw the flowers off. That's the first thing they do when a plant's under stress. first thing that, that gets lost is the flowers. And so... I would just, you know, I would just not overwater it. Just make sure it's moist. Don't let it stay dry. And maybe here with just a little bit of fertilizer, maybe half strength of whatever you've got. And I bet they put on some new flowers real fast. But that, okay. that it, it, it it happens so fast. That's nothing but transplant shock. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Appreciate it. Yeah, I was at the Mobile Botanical Garden, and uh, they've got a, a glass sculpture right outside their herb garden. It looks like a, it's not a bottle tree. It's a real sculpture done by some real glass artists. They've, they've got a, 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 an art school there at the, uh, at the university there in Mobile, and it's really, really cool. I showed a picture of it uh, to the Alabama Master Gardeners because I showed a picture of a bottle tree. They said, ooh, there's bottle trees. That's common folk stuff. Blah, 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 blah. And then I showed this thing uh, at the Mobile Botanic Garden. I said, what's the difference? You know, fancy glass on a stick or throwing away glass on a stick? Shut up. <laughs> I like that. I, I I'm surprised often how um, I guess because I've just seen them around so so much bottle trees that people feel away about bottle trees. I'm so I'm just so surprised by that. Well, there's a there's this thing that's called a, it's an it's an it's an old uh, a mathematic thing: the transitive properties of equality. <laughs> You know, I'm a horticulture. You're not expect transitive properties equality. That's when, and we learn in algebra, if A is equal to B, and B is equal to C, then C is equal to A. You know, if something is the same as something else, then it, you know, and that's why I said if you can can plant stuff in a whiskey barrel, which is recycled, they were made for whiskey, but it's okay to plant in a whiskey barrel. Why can't I plant in a tire? which is also not made for planting, you know. And if you can hang stuff out of holes in your ears, 
you know, colorful glass baubles. Why can't I put bottles in my trees? Same thing. Same thing. Uh, and by the way, while we were down there, April the 1st, saw my first magnolia flower this season, and I saw some today in Jackson, a week later. Magnolias are blooming a little bit early this year, but we got magnolias. Well, that's beautiful. I, I also um, saw some new blooms at the Kroger's um, just yesterday, uh, you know, with it being Easter weekend. All the Easter lilies were oh, out. Yeah. yeah. All, all of the fresh, uh, excuse me, fresh cut tulips were out, um, you know, looking look, looking nice and, and, and for the season, looking of the season. Yeah, and here's a little gardening tip. Easter lilies, which are, are, are normally don't bloom for Easter. You know, they don't bloom for Easter here. Wait a minute. They, they it's called Easter lilies. <laughs> I know. I know. Because in the Middle East, that's when they bloom. <laughs> but here, uh, lilies are daily, day length sensitive. They don't start blooming until the days start to get longer. You know, just like poinsettias start to bloom and the days get shorter in the fall, chrysanthemums, daylilies don't bloom until the, you know, we really ought to save this for next week because it's a question nobody asked. <laughs> but daylily, uh, uh, Easter lilies bloom when the days get shorter. Well, in order to get them blooming time to sell them before Easter, the commercial growers have lights in their greenhouse. They turn the lights on late in the afternoon and leave them till in the morning. They make it light longer than normal to fool the lilies into blooming for Easter. <laughs> now, but that goes just to what you were just talking about with the last caller about those uh, things that you see at the garden centers. And uh, I would uh, know for a fact at the Kroger, um, you know, which is a grocery store, not a floral shop, uh, are forced to bloom, you know, yeah. for um, for purchase purposes. Yeah, and that's okay. But but get this, though. Even though they normally don't bloom this time of year, if you get one, or better yet, if the church is throwing a bunch of them away, Take them home and put them in a nice flower bed and mulch them really well, and they'll come back and bloom year after year, but they'll bloom in May. But they make good garden plants if you put them in good dirt, not heavy clay or, you know, they, they like kind of woodsy, rich soil and a lot of mulch. They'll come back and bloom every year in May. So if you ask nicely after service on Sunday, um, <laughs> you may get a new Easter lily. Just one more thing. They don't have to haul to the dumpster. <laughs> Same thing with poinsettias. But anyway, just an odd, odd, oddball thing. Uh, also, when I was in, I uh, forget where I was. Oh, I was in Memphis uh, at the Dixon Gallery. It's Dixon Gallery, and uh, 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 it's got a botanical garden right across from Memphis Botanic Garden. They got over 80,000 tulips and daffodils and other bulbs blooming. 80,000. No, no, excuse me. I, I, I'm wrong. back. Three hundred and forty thousand. I forgot. I was talking to the to the to the to the landscaper who runs it. Three hundred forty thousand tulips and daffodils and other things in full bloom. But uh, while I was there, I was looking around and I was taking a picture of some kind of plant and I saw this weird little growth. It looked like the last digit of your little finger, a little brown thing stuck on a limb. I looked at it real close and it's a, a little knobby looking long thing and I broke it off and brought it home and put it in my yard. Wonder what that would be, Java. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm like. What is you just snatching yeah. random plants? <laughs> yeah, it, it it looked like a big long rectangular wart on this plant. I took it home. It's an egg case of praying mantises. You know, praying mantises look just like little dinosaurs. You know, they get you know they go around they eat eat everything, but they lay eggs in a big mass on these twigs. And I took it home, put it in my yard, and uh, within uh, a, a week or two, I'll have these tiny little praying mantises running all over my yard. It's going to look like a little miniature Jurassic Park in my front yard. And you want that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> praying mantises eat stuff that I'd rather have the praying mantises than. They, uh, okay. they, they, eat, they eat other bugs for a living. 
Serving so, a purpose, I got yeah. it. <laughs> you know, it's an Easter weekend. Everybody's kind of quiet. I don't know why we're not getting any calls, but I'm having a good time this morning. It's a good time to start thinking about planning. And even though it's raining and kind of cool out there, a great weekend to go to Garden Center. I went to uh, several this past week, see what they got, and I got one more to go. And I uh, picked up a whole bunch of summer annuals, you know, the, the marigolds, the zinnias, uh, basils. And uh, I managed to find a, a garden center that has African blue basil. Now, Java, basil we think about growing for, for cooking, for making pesto and, and spaghetti sauce and all like that. But there's one that's kind of a sharp flavor, so almost too too basil to eat. You know, it's real strong. But it makes a plant that gets about waist high. It's got the prettiest flower, the best butterfly and hummingbird and bee plant I've ever put in my yard. So if you're going out uh, garden center, don't forget – that basil and other culinary herbs are also good flowers in the garden. And typically, they don't need a whole bunch of water. So, you know, get you a pot full of stuff and, you know, put you a marigold, put you a zinnia, put you a basil, maybe put a little pepper plant, you know, and something cascading on the side of the pot. You can have something that looks really, really good, even on a tiny little porch. And when you're tired of looking at it, you can eat some of it. I think that's a good thing. Um, did plan some things. Folks, if you are anywhere in Jackson this 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 weekend or anytime soon, swing by and visit the Agriculture and Forestry Museum, Agriculture, Forestry, and Aviation Museum, right on Lakeland Drive, right near the interstate. Uh, the master gardeners there have been taking care of a herb garden that was designed and planted back in the 1980s, and they've got it whipped back into shape. They've got a really nice little culinary herb section, got some medicinal herbs, got some really unusual plants there, including a section of heirloom plants. Uh, a lot of those heirloom plants, not coincidentally, came out of my great-grandmother's yard. And so if you're there, be sure to swing by the doctor's, you know, a little downtown, thing, small town they've got. Right behind the doctor's office, they got a herb garden that is just looking real fun. Old-fashioned, but real fun. <laughs> hey, we got some callers on the line, and when we get done with that, I also have some heirloom plants I want to talk about. We Give us a call, folks. we got a lot of time to talk about gardening. We're going to start out in Jackson with Jim. Hey, Jim, good morning. Good morning. How you doing, fellas? Doing great. What's up, man? Well, I've got a relatively new house, and in the backyard I've got five or six mandinas um, that are uh, in the neighborhood of four feet tall. Yeah. But the first three and a half feet is just stem, and there are no leaves on it. Well, I want to uh, prune some of them back so to give me kind of a layered look if they'll sprout out from where I cut them back to. Is that going to work? Yes, it will. Uh, a couple of things. And, and by the way, I've never in my life, and Nandina has been part of my life for way over half a century, okay, way over. And it's one of my all-time favorite landscape shrubs. I've never seen them defoliate from cold before, and they did it this year. What I did with mine, Jim, is I cut some, you know, wherever you make a cut on a stem, it's going to sprout out right there. So I cut some stems about a foot, foot and a half or so tall, they'll branch out. Cut some about knee high or thigh high, they'll branch out. And leave some uncut because that's where the, the, they're spring bloomers. They've already got flower buds on them in Jackson. So if you'll if you'll leave some of them unpruned, you'll have some berries this year. So leave some unpruned, cut some halfway back, cut some low to the ground, and uh, just sort of layer it like that, and they'll do perfectly fine. That, that's exactly what I 
exactly the look I was trying to get is sort of a layered look because they're all, all sort of bunched up together. Yeah, well, the, the, when you do that, you know, it, no, no two are going to look alike, but the ones that you leave, make sure that the ones you leave have already got little flower buds showing. You know, no sense in leaving one that's not going to have berries. But the, they'll, they'll be little sprays of flower buds already forming. But, but cut them so that the, that the taller stuff is in the middle of the back, the middle stuff, and, and the lower stuff further out so that it gets plenty of light. In other words, don't cut the, the really low stuff way up under the plant or else it won't, won't get the light it needs to fill out. So sort of angle them that way if, if that makes sense. That makes a whole lot of sense. Appreciate it, Belgium. All right, guys. You bet. Thanks. Thanks, all right. Okay, let's slide up to Grenada. David, how are you this morning, sir? I am okay. How good. are you? So far, so good. Not so bad. So far, that's what I say. So far, so good. Yeah. Um, I have two questions, sir. Yeah. And uh and uh in no particular order I'm gonna start with this one. Uh I've got about thirty fig trees. Yeah. They're about a year old. I planted yeah. them, you know, roughly this time last year. All right, so but anyway, none of them have leaves on them. And uh, and that's uh upsetting because I'm not sure if they're dead. Somebody poisoned or I just got bad luck. So well, do you it, have anything you can say about that? They'd have to be real busy because mine look exactly like that. I've got figs that are, that are made from cuttings from my great grandmother's plant. What happened is that is that the wintertime damaged them a little bit. Normally not that big a deal, but it damages a lot of plant, a lot of stuff. But when the new growth started coming out, we had that freeze towards the the, the latter part of March. That that all this these plants put out growth earlier this year than they normally do because it's such a hard winter they thought it was spring so they put out a bunch of tender growth in early mid-march that was a almost a month too early and that freeze burned it back mine looks like somebody took a blowtorch to it but if you'll scratch the bark on it uh, david you'll find that it's that it's sort of a, they don't have bright green sap like most plants they don't have a milky sap so scratch on the stems and if it's got a little milky sap coming out of it you can prune it back to there or you know you could probably just ignore it and they'll put out new growth wherever it wants to but if you prune back that'll stimulate some stronger new growth. That's all it is. It's just a combination of hard early winter freeze and a fairly hard normal late freeze on plants that have sprouted out too early. That's all it is. So so they're not dead. They're just delayed then. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, some plants, some plants were killed by this stuff. But again, if you scratch the bark, if it, if it, if it starts okay. dripping that milky sap, you know, that latex, that's you know, it's in a rubber tree family. Fig is, then it's fine. If you prune it back a little bit, it'll be stronger new growth when it comes out. And then one other thing, David, while you're at it, look up and down the the, the lower part of the trunks and see if there's little things of sawdust coming out. It looks like a piece of a of a toothpick sticking out of a tree. Uh, that's the this uh, a sawdust coming out. It's called frass from a type of boring insect. If you see that on your fig, go ahead and cut that stem down below that area because it is going to die from there up, and it'll sprout out from the roots with no problems at all. Okay, then. Well, there you go. Got something to think about. Uh, there you the go. second question, though, is kind of related but not directly. Um, uh, I purchased a, uh, I think it's a Japanese persimmon. Mm hmm. About two or three, I planted it about two or three weeks ago. That's that's kind of related to that freeze you're talking about. So uh, that particular day it was nice and warm, and then it got cold after that. And uh, and it, I'm just wondering, do you think it's dead? Don't know. I mean, this is something uh, thousands of. I'm gonna say. Every garden in the state got some kind of damage this winter. Every garden. Plants that I've never seen damaged before got damaged by that hard early freeze when plants weren't ready for it. Uh, and the only way to tell right now, two ways. One is just wait and see. If the other is scratch on the bark. 
even though figs have got a milky sap, most plants have got a bright green tissue right on the bark. So just scratch the bark. And if it's bright green under the bark, that's alive. You can either just let it sprout on its own or cut it back and make it branch out a little bit lower. That's all we. That's all I can do. I mean, that's okay, it, well, it, in well, my yard. Well, here, here's my question about that. Now, if it's um, dead all the way down to the roots, but it's still alive down there, and it comes out from the roots, uh, it sends up a, a little shit, uh, shit from the roots, should I just cut it down because... Well, uh, see, I'll, be, I'll be trying to have fruit off of, the, of some root stock. That, that's right. That's, that, that. That, that's right. You know, uh, most of the, if it's an own root plant, there's no problem doing that. But if it's grafted, you want to cut it down, but above the graft. Oh, okay. Well, uh, do you know if uh, those? No, no, uh, no, nobody can tell. Japanese persimmons, are they grafted-type plants? Yeah, a lot, yeah, a, a lot of them are. A lot of them are. I would say oh, most okay. of them are. But anyway, you'll be able to see what the graft okay. is. And it's normally winter okay, hardy. Well, I'll, I'll so, just get my fingernail out, and I'll go scratch on the trees today. That's all I can do. And if you do cut it back, the roots are intact, so the new growth will actually grow a whole lot faster than if you put out a new plant. So so, so they're not going to hurt the plant to cut it back. Okay, thank you very much. Good luck on it, David. All righty, man. A lot of people, uh, I got the same stuff in my yard. Same stuff in my yard. I cut a lot of my stuff back. It's already sprouted out new growth. I just bit the bullet. Now let's go down to Gulfport. Keith, how you doing down on the sunny Gulf Coast? Everything's going well down here. Cool. Your old cartoon buddy here from the Harrison County Master Garden. Oh, yeah. There you go. Well, what's up? Hey, yeah. Well, I was just calling to check. I just had to take out a lightning uh, struck. Uh, 400, I guess, year old is what the tree people tell me, oak tree. Yeah. And now I have a big, you know, hole in my yard, so I'm trying to figure out what to put back in there. It's a full southern uh, exposure to sun. Yeah. And uh, just any thoughts that you might have for replacement of that tree that will give shade, privacy, and fast growth? Yeah. uh, Well, before we get to that, let me mention this. Are you going to plant it in the same hole? Well, that's that's another question. The okay. next question I had for you: Should I well, put let, it on top of the? Yeah, let's 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 deal with it. That that tree you say it was a hundreds of years old. The the trunk you may have had it ground out, but the roots on that that tree go straight out in every direction, and they're made out of untreated wood, which means they're going to decay sooner or later. Two, three, four years from now, every one of those roots, no matter how big it is, is going to be gone. They just decompose right. just like a piece of rotten wood. So you're going to have a root size holes all over the place. And and the reason I'm saying this, it's going to sink down and you're going to wonder what to fill it in. Try to match the dirt you've got. Don't fill it with sand or compost or something. If you've got pretty good dirt, buy you some pretty good dirt. Don't 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 just fill it up with sand or you're gonna have a bowl full of sand out there. So, you know, get you a dirt pile someplace so that you can just wheelbarrow it out as you need it. So that that's important. I would plant it off to one side of the original hole because that hole is gonna be a four hundred year old rotten decayed compost pit. So if you could just move it over a little bit. Um, anyway, that, that's a general thing. As far as fast-growing trees, if you want a kind of a small tree, there's a type of elm uh, called Drake elm. Some people call it uh, 
I forgot the other name, Chinese Drake Elm. Anyway, Drake Elm is a small tree, but it grows really fast, and it's pretty, and it'll take the Gulf Coast conditions, the wind, the sun, the humidity, occasional salt spray for being brought in for thunderstorms. That's a pretty good one. You also can't go wrong with bald cypress. Plant three or four bald cypress trees about eight or ten feet apart, you know, and make it a little grove of cypress trees. They'll grow in all that weird uh, uh, dirt compost. They're fast-growing. One by itself looks kind of goofy because they're shaped like a spaceship, but two or three of them in a group, six, seven, eight feet apart, they make a terrific little scene. You can put Louisiana iris under it, palmettos, dwarf palmettos under it, but they're really fast-growing and they're pretty in a group. Um, I I made a mistake, Felder, and uh, bumped Keith off of the. It was you know. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm, well, I'm, I'm it, sorry about that, Keith. I hope I hope that helped you out um, this morning. Yeah, but me <laughs> meanwhile, everybody else, Cypress is a good tree. I I needed fast on the west side of my house because I cut down some old oak trees, and I needed something that's going to be fast and give some shade. And I went with ball cypress. I don't know if we got time for Kathleen. Let's leave. We can slide Kathleen in Kathleen, real quick. Kathleen, we're, we're right out of time, but what can we help you with real quick? Oh, um, well, I have a mess figgy, like a dwarf fig, and yep. I'm in northern Mississippi, and it looked horrible and it split. It, I was just going to cut it off at the ground, but I didn't know if it was even supposed to be in north Mississippi. Okay, now what kind of tree was it again? It's a fig. It's a Miss Figgy dwarf. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Figs are fine. Figs are fine. Just put it on the on the south side of something so it doesn't get a lot of cold winter wind and mulch it really well. It'll do fine. Yeah, yeah. As as okay, as, as all we can do. We're out of time. But Miss Figgy is just a fig. They'll even grow in Idaho if they're protected. So uh, main thing is wide hole, loosen up the roots, and mulch it a little bit, and cut it way back. Anyway, it's been kind of crazy this morning. And Java, you and I are going to be broadcasting live from downtown Clarksdale next Friday. Yes, sir. Bring a chair, folks. Friday morning, live at 9 o'clock. Me and Java Chapman and Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We're taking the green to the blues. We'll hope to see y'all some next week. Anyway, if you get a chance, take a kid to a garden center. It's too wet to plant, but take a kid there. Get a box, a bucket, anything, some potting soil, some flowers, some herbs, and show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. Hope y'all have a safe holiday weekend, and uh, see y'all next week in Clarksdale. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.